So we are here for another one of these epilogue conversations. Jordan Flowers still with me here talking about, well, some things we didn't get to in the regular episode. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the fight for 30. You know, I'm sure that some people, they might hear that and they might get like, like, oh, you know, like people are asking for too much money or, you know, saying like, you know, this is the reason why we have inflation or, you know, like. Like these workers don't deserve all this, you know, like, like, how do you handle that type of that type of nonsense? Like when you hear people, you know, like have those types of criticisms when you are asking for $30 an hour? Well, I mean, I'm looking at them like, you know, I mean, at the time, you know, a lot of people wanted to work and I know a lot of people want more money, especially during working during COVID. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about, again, a billion dollar company that's making all this money right now, as you speak, and you're saying that you don't want that extra six seven dollars that he's making in your pocket which could benefit you later down in the road right you know what i'm saying we're talking about every dollar counts for every every worker inside jfka everywhere in the united states or outside that you know what i'm saying we're, we're talking about that these workers can gain more it's just that y'all have to start speaking up more about you know y'all want higher wages y'all wanted to be protected during covid and you know we're mm -hmm. starting a campaign now like i said five for 30 so this should be raising more awareness that well you know, COVID's still around and they want me to work, I would like to get paid more. So I would like to, you know, shoot for the max, which could have been anything, but Fight for 30 is even better because, again, we're talking about a company where you start. When I first came in, I was making seventeen fifty. Yeah. Now they're hiring people at $18. So I'm saying that little raise right there kind of messes me up because, like, I've been working there longer. So how, how can someone who just walked in get 18 whereas I started at 17 so we're saying like everyone at an entry level can start at thirty dollars an hour. So I mean, hey, that sounds great to me. Like if I want to, if I'm getting a brand new job and I'm getting thirty dollars an hour, I won't be mad with that. I'd be happy with that. You don't you need to every day. It it really is wild to me because I, I feel as though people get caught up with a lot of these um these talking points. People say like, oh, if you have these higher wages, then you know it's gonna it's gonna like bring higher inflation. It's gonna mess with the economy, so on and so forth nothing gets me more than hearing like hearing conversations from you know like my uncle would tell me that in the 1970s he was making 15 dollars an hour at his job working at a grocery store and that he had like like his medical insurance was almost completely paid you know like he was able to like have a, like a retirement fund had a pension like all and like this is back when houses cost fifty thousand dollars to buy you know and so I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that some people think that you don't deserve $30 an hour. You know, I mean, honestly, keeping up with inflation, that that's probably that's probably still underselling it a little bit. Definitely. I mean, we're also talking about employees that have to travel. So these people who are making $700 a week have to take at least $100 every month to travel with. Talking right. about police, ferry, train, cab, whatever the case may be that, you know what I'm saying, you shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be thinking like, oh, I had to use my check. Whereas you like, you know what? Like a company like Amazon should be giving me more money if I'm traveling almost four or five. Well, not four or five. That's crazy. Two hours, almost two and a half hours to come to there, two and a half hours back. So we're talking about five hours there and back travel time. Right. And I mean, what 
I was I was seeing one of the videos that was made recently about all the different things that Amazon has. I mean, they have now what was it? They have access to like iRobot that they they bought MGM, like they own Whole Foods, they own like the Washington. Well, Bezos owns the Washington, but like they own so many different things. I mean, this is a company that what makes I mean, how many like hundreds of billions of dollars like consistently all the time? I mean, they they can afford it, right? So it, it's not even really asking that much. So um, I definitely, even those points right there you made, they actually just signed the contract with the NYPD to have access to every ring camera in New York City. Right. Or New York or something like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy. That technology has nothing to do with you. Why are you, you know, that's, that's what we're saying. Like, you're buying stuff that has nothing to do with your company. You know what I'm saying? Like, that money can be brought back to the community. Right. Like, you know, buying ring cameras must be important. These super yachts going into space. I mean, yeah, I mean, I even saw that they actually were thinking about buying an airline over in India. Like, that's crazy. Even, like, even to go off Jeff Bezos, we're talking about the other three who was in the spaceship with him. They all yeah. got over $100 million. Yeah. We haven't heard what they did with that money. They're talking about donations. We haven't heard one donation they made. You know, so, I, I just... It, it, I don't I don't know if I want to go down this road or not, but it, it does bring into a, a conversation about should billionaires even exist or I mean like or or can they exist in this climate because it feels as though the the country is set up to constantly insulate them from having to really be taxed whatsoever I mean they are able to hide so much of their money that they effectively pay less taxes than you or I do on a given day and I, I don't know like how do you even I mean how do you even have any kind of negotiating power with these people you know like when you do come to the table with them well, definitely, it's it's the way you approach it. I mean, you're not gonna approach someone outside like, yo, I want this, this, this. Like, right. I mean, you're not gonna get it like that. I mean, obviously, you got to sit down. You have to talk about it with the organizing team. You have to talk about it with the community inside JFK about what they demand, whatever whatever they want to see on that contract. That's how we have to bring it to the table. Like now, we have to get all these workers involved in the in the in the bargaining contract to see what they want like again on the table, so that when we bring it to them. It's not that we're just asking, asking, asking. Us yeah. personally. It's these is what the, the workers in JFK want, bing, bing, bing. And this is how we're bringing it to the table for you. So again, we're, you got us at $15 or $17 an hour. We want to fight for 30. So we want to shoot for $30 an hour. Yeah. And then that's how you start bargaining. Like you can't just say, I want $30 an hour and clap your hand and think everything's going to be done. But it's definitely, um, you have to sit there and obviously negotiate. Now, they, of course, they're not going to try to say 30, but they can shoot for 27. But that's higher than what we were getting before. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's just, it, even, I like the question you also said that, uh, can we live without billionaires? In my in my end, I would say we would have to because, I mean, think about it. The stuff that they bring to the table already, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Anyone could have thought about it. It's just, they just did it on their time and they got it out there more popular than anyone. So, right. Uh, definitely, we are going to live in a world of billionaires and we do need them to sustain, but it's how that billionaire is going to treat his his corporation and his team and his workers who work for him anywhere in the world. Yeah. Now, I've been yeah. I've been following a lot of different stories over the last you know couple of years, you know, because when the Bessemer vote first came up, you know, I was talking about that on my podcast, seeing things over the years about, you know, Amazon drivers having to like, you know, pee in bags, you know, shit in bags. You know, I've seen people in warehouses in Tennessee having to work in like areas that were like 140 degrees, you know, 
even that story that we shared on Instagram recently about the worker in Colorado just dying and just like putting boxes around him. Like the question that I'm thinking is, is it should we be boycotting Amazon? Or is that counterproductive to what the ALU is trying to do? Because if you have people boycotting Amazon, doesn't that directly affect your like bargaining ability with the company? Like, where do y'all fall on that line? No, that that definitely helps us to bargain. When 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 customers start buying and Amazon stocks start going down, they're gonna figure out what's going on. They're gonna see internally these warehouses ain't working because customers ain't ordering. Yeah. So um, definitely that benefit us. Um, again, uh, how can I put it? Even with uh. Damn, I kind of, I just got sidetracked so bad. Uh, so, uh, damn, you hit me with a good question. You but, so, um, yeah, definitely with work, uh, customers boycotting, uh, boycotting Amazon and making them lose profits, it definitely benefits us. And, you know, that, that's what gets these big corporations to listen to us. Yeah. And, you know, so I was, yeah, I've always been wondering about that because I was thinking, I was like, oh, maybe it's counterproductive, so on and so forth. But, you know, I got to imagine with all these different stories coming out, there has to be other, I guess, warehouses that have been like coming to you. Uh, has it been a lot or has it been like, I guess, like not as much because people are afraid of Amazon kind of like rolling in the tanks and starting like doing the union busting campaign? Like, like what's it been like underneath? Well, all right. So now I can, I can go back because I remember what you said. So definitely, um, yeah, with, with all this, definitely boycotting all, all this, definitely, yeah, because, uh, Sean Brown, that's what that's that's the lady we always mention. We always bring up in rallies. Our offices of the Sean Brown Hall. Uh, she she was an Amazon worker who tested who was testing workers who was not a doctor. She passed away from COVID. Even the guy from Den Four, the old the elderly guy who passed away, and the man just covered him with boxes. Yeah, you know what I'm saying this is real. This is real background stuff. Amazon does. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, Jack Street's another facility. They had a shooting back in 2020. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking about a corporation that doesn't even protect their own workers. Yeah. They'd rather take their profits before their workers. So, uh, to see them boycott, well, to see everyone boycott Amazon wouldn't affect us. Like, definitely, it'll, it'll, bring, it'll bring a larger fight to the table with, you know, corporations starting to really listen. Yeah. And have other people been, like, reaching out to y'all recently about wanting to, like, organize their warehouses? Has it been, like, a lot? Or, has, or have people been kind of shook by the idea of, Amazon kind of like coming in and union busting once someone showed any interest in wanting to unionize. So no, it actually it uh, empowered more workers to unionize. So uh, we actually have we actually have another facility in California, ONT8. Uh, they're lead organizing the net. They are they're actively organizing day and night. California is like they're they're down to go. So like we have other facilities reaching out. We have Chicago reaching out. We have Denver reaching out. We have we have a bunch of facilities reaching out. And right now it's. It's hard when you're also when you're trying to keep JFK and then trying to travel and help these other facilities, but at the same right. time, it's like you know, like you have to start somewhere. So like we we try to tell most of them to start getting card signed, and yeah. then we'll start flying out there and talking to more workers, actively engaging. Again, same tactic we did in JFK, and this this is this is what makes you know this is what helps build the community inside of whatever facility we're uh, voting at. I mean, working at. So. This is one of the last things I want to ask you. How are y'all funding all of this? I mean, like, are, are you just like doing this all with like donations? I mean, like, is, is there any kind of like income? Because you don't have a contract yet. So you don't have any income coming in in the traditional like labor sense. So how how is the ALU operating all this right now? And what are some of the other challenges that y'all are facing as you're moving forward? 
So I'm, I would I always like to bring this up in any interview that uh, when we first started as the Congress of Essential Workers, me, Chris, and Gerald were all unemployed. Yeah. So we actually, we're talking about the $600 a week unemployment, you know, the, all the perks and all that were unemployment, uh, unemployment. We took that money and invested in ourselves. Mm. And that's what made us who we are today. But after that, we had Chris go on the road, do a bunch of panels, and all the unions paid Chris to talk. And I mean, that's what keeps us afloat. And we use that money to, again, give back to the community, get our shirts, hoodies, feed the workers, workers' vests. And uh, again, now now that we're branching out more than New York, we have to start sending shirts here. We got to send cards here. We got to, you know, we, now we got to start shipping out more stuff so workers can start organizing under our name. So definitely uh, with Chris on the road and uh, talking a lot and speaking at panels, uh, that's how we mostly get funded. Okay. So, you know, for, for those who are listening at home, like, is there a way that people can donate to you, well, to the Amazon Labor Union if they want to support what y'all are doing? Uh, definitely. We have the AmazonLaborUnion.org, AmazonLaborUnion.org. Uh, that's our official website. You can always go down and uh, we have a GoFundMe, I, I believe, at the bottom of the page. It's somewhere in the page. I still haven't seen it myself, I'll be honest with you. Um but definitely, uh, when you check our page out, I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll show you how to donate. Uh, and honestly, like I said, we use that money to give back to the community, shirts, food, whatever we can do. Jordan Flowers, again, thank you for coming on. Thanks for doing this, like, after portion, you know, after portion portion with me. <laughs> uh, you know, just one more time, where can people find you and the Amazon Labor Union at online? Uh, again, on Twitter, at Amazon Labor, at Amazon Labor. And then myself is at J-A-Y-Y-T-C-O-E-W, uh, at J-A-Y-Y-T-C-O-E-W. All right, everyone, go ahead and check out those links in the episode description, like I mentioned before. And thank you for checking out this episode. We will see you on the next one. Thank you.